happily under the eyes of the master, everything goes well, right? Uh, so we would we would get the horses saddled up, and then we'd turn them loose, and they'd you know move around the corral. And sometimes there'd be a little bit of bucking and jumping around, like normally happens when you first right. saddle young horses up. But you know, a really interesting thing is that they were in a group, right? So there's five of these young horses in the big open arena, and they start flowing. It's like a school of fish or a herd of horses, right? They start flowing yeah. around, and so then they stop worrying so much about what's on them and they just start going and flowing and we would position ourselves mm. in different places in the arena and we'd get the horses moving in you know circles and some figure eights just little changes of direction and that sort of stuff now mind you this is like 10 minutes right we're we're doing this all in within about yeah. 10 minutes and then ray would say well all right that looks good go ahead and climb on we'd go, oh my gosh yeah so so we catch them again uh and we climb on right Ray said to do it. Ray said it would work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're climbing on with just the, the halter, right? The rope halter, basically, and the lead rope there. Um, and we would climb on, and the same thing would happen. They would just flow around in a group, right? Hmm. So ride, and of course, we could help a little at the tail end of the lead rope. We could make some noise on our shafts or touch them on the hip or something like that. And we'd have them all, walk, trot, canter, flowing around the arena. And we'd be tossing the lead rope around their neck to try to steer a little left yeah. and tossing over to try to steer a little right. And, and then Ray says, well, that looks pretty good. Go ahead and reach down there and take off the hull. Oh, my God. Uh, right? That's what we thought the first day. Was, <laughs> oh, my God. We're going to die. Right? Well, the whole idea of them flowing in a group is that they're just comfortable moving forward. Welcome to Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Do you love dressage? Are you looking to inspire your ride? Do you long to learn secrets of truly great riders? Yes? Then you're in the right place. Join classically trained, internationally competitive dressage rider JJ Tate as she brings inspired conversations, in-depth discussions, and a healthy dose of humor to the world of dressage. Join JJ and her new generation of classical riders in this adventure called Dressage Life. In this episode, JJ sits down with classical horseman Patrick King for an exploration of Patrick's background in horses, his history of learning from the legends of natural horsemanship, the parallels between classical dressage and natural horsemanship, along with the ideas of coherence with horses, and acknowledging rider fear to move past it. This interview is in two parts and will be followed by part two in next week's episode. Be sure to tune in and listen to both. And now, here's JJ. So, hey everybody, I just wanted to introduce a friend of mine named Patrick King, and I can't wait to share with you Patrick's story about just his deep experience with horses, as well as what I find actually extremely exciting and interesting is Patrick's way of connecting sort of the horsemanship piece and classical dressage. And so, yeah, Patrick, I just would love for you to tell us a little bit about you and how you got started and, you know, your your resume reads through like the MVPs of all, you know, all horsemen. You know, I think it's just so cool that it's like not only is there like Ray Hunt and uh, Mark Russell and Wendy Murdoch. And, I mean, there's just all these amazing true horsemen in your mm -hmm education and i would love for you for those of my clients and students and p 
people out there who, who don't know who you are and what you do, I would love to hear it in your words. Um, so yeah, take it away. Oh gosh. Awesome. Well, thank you so much JJ first for having me on here. It's, it's great to see you again digitally in this case, but it's great to <laughs> yeah. see you again and get the chance to chat. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've been super fortunate to spend time with a lot of really great people, uh, throughout my life and throughout my career with horses. I grew up riding. Uh, my stepfather had Arabs when I grew up and we got into Arabs and quarter horses and paints and mini horses and, you know, just kind of across the gamut, you know, and I grew up doing the local organizations, horse shows and 4-H shows and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I actually had a horse when I was pretty young. It was my father's horse at the time that was just pretty dangerous, uh, really aggressive. You couldn't go through the paddock without, you know, carrying some sort of protection, like a whip or something like that, because the horse would really come after you. And he was, he was pretty, like I say, pretty aggressive. Um, that got me into some situations where following local advice turned out to not be the right thing to do. <laughs> Uh, at that point, uh, we were doing kind of like the local quarter horse circuit, and that sort of thing, and doing some of the Western pleasure and the hunt seat stuff, you know, just kind of what we grew up with in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, and no matter how much you tried to kind of punish this horse, as what it was called at that time, uh, mm-hmm. it made everything worse. Uh, he got more and more aggressive. Uh, he had some what we could only describe as really serious psychological issues. Like the horse was what we'd refer to as a self mutilator mm-hmm. uh, where he would, just, if he got upset about something and you'd swear it was, if the wind changed direction and it upset him, he would bite his flanks until they were just ripped open. You know, I mean, just really, really sad looking back yeah. at, you know, what this yeah. and there was one day when he was pretty sure I was late at dinner and uh, I, I went to feed him and he was angry and he got me backed into the corner and, uh, I could, I could smell both of his hind feet and he flipped both of my ears against the back of the stall wall. So that was about as close as I've come to dying. Uh, wow. and I think I was, you know, the big bold age of 13 or 14, I don't know, <laughs> right. you know, so, so like any masculine 14 year old boy, I curled in a ball <laughs> and cried at that moment. <laughs> uh, and, and that's when it really hit me. I got to find a different way. You know, because the whole use the chain on the nose, carry the whip with you, just kick him harder kind of mentality was not working. Uh, and in fact, it was making things more and more dangerous. So yeah, like I, the whole put him in his place and exactly. show your dominance or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this was a horse that, you know, he had a, now looking back at it, we'd say he had a huge expressive drive to him, you know, but mm-hmm what we were what I knew in that moment you know was that he was just damn dangerous you know yeah um and it's uh, so that led me down the path of basically buying every book I could find and every video that I could find you know as a, as a young kid still at home trying to learn more than what anybody around me was able to share you mm-hmm. know and that led me down lots of interesting travels um one of the one of the most i think most interesting parts was that one of the first books that was given to me was was a book by this guy called Charles de Cunfi <laughs> <laughs> and i think i got it at i i was maybe 10 11 yep. or something like that it was like an aunt gave it to me or something and i didn't understand a damn word in that book you know 
<laughs> and now I think I understand some of it. You know, I still right, have the right. book and it's got highlighter marks and notes written in the margins and that sort of thing. I got Charles to sign it and I shared that story with him one day a couple of years ago and he sure enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, but but um, so that led me down a lot of paths and I started connecting the dots. You know, I've always been kind of one of these why people, you mm-hmm, know, and mm-hmm. the where did you find that out? from and then I want to go research that you know so Mm -hmm. all the books that I started acquiring and accumulating uh, there were several references that would go to well first it was this John Lyons guy you know and then it was this Tom Dorrance and this Ray Hunt guy and people like that and so I started connecting these dots and started saying okay if you know if I'm hearing this name in seven different places yeah I think I need to research that Right. And so that eventually led me to uh, working with Ray Hunt. Uh, and I was, I was yeah. very, very fortunate. It took several years, of course, from that point. I think I was maybe 22 or something okay. uh, when I got the chance to host a clinic with Ray Hunt. And now by that time, I'd read enough books. And this horse ended up with the learning that I was able to acquire through the books and the videos. This horse ended up the dangerous one we were talking about. He ended up being a fantastic horse. Uh, and ended up continuing his career in the show arena with some other young boy in the 4-H group and that sort of thing. So it was it was really great how he was able to continue on. He became probably one of the most solid horses uh, to date that I've I've ever had. And it was because of a wow. lot of the trials and tribulations that we went through. You know, it was just yeah. he, he became a real fantastic teacher once yeah. I was open to learning, you know, which is really <laughs> what it came down to. Right. Yeah. Because we have to be put in a place where there's a reason for the learning and then yeah. we're open to it. You know, right, it's like right. I heard somebody say once that, you know, that the two reasons you come to learning is either inspiration or desperation. Right? Well, I was going to say like, there is no other way around having to learn the lessons that you learned because it. that horse was just put in this world for you at that time to like Absolutely. force you kind of quote unquote, like down yeah. that path of like, that's not going to work with that horse. Find a different way. And it's like, exactly. okay, let's let me look into that, you know, yep. for the yep. next 50 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or five lifetimes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Un- until forever. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. about it. Yeah, that that is so true. Uh, but yeah, so that, uh, you know, and then by this time, I'd, I'd acquired, uh, I say I've acquired so much knowledge at this point, I, I barely knew anything, you know, but I think that's what we always think about when we think back five years, 10 years, 15 years, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, man, I didn't know anything. How was I exactly. Anything I, and I thought I kind of knew a little bit then. And now I realized I, that was like, not even at the tip right. of the iceberg. And then it's like, right. I just laugh about what we'll, what we'll talk about in 40 years when we talk about this again, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, do you so remember true. when <laughs> we thought we also knew that? <laughs> that's it that's it yeah exactly i think i had mentioned to you whenever i was there visiting like i don't know that i would let the me from 20 years ago ride my horse now you know but exactly <laughs> but at the time i thought i was doing all right <laughs> exactly that was pretty good actually that's it yeah exactly you know and of course and looking back you know it, it wasn't bad you know but man there's more to it you know and it, right. it's, it's like that saying goes when you know better you do better you know right um, right but uh, but yeah, so by then, uh, by the time that I got to ride with Ray, I had already 
thanks to this challenging horse, developed uh, kind of a reputation for working with challenging horses and for starting young horses under saddle and that sort of thing. So I'd had probably at this point with working with Ray, a few hundred horses under saddle that I'd already started. I'd made a business mm-hmm. doing that, you know, and fixing yep. trailer loading problems and, you know, lots right, of other right, things. Right, right, um, right. And uh, so I got the chance to ride with Ray. And it, it was one of those things where I wanted to ride with Tom Dorrance. I was so inspired to ride with Tom Dorrance. And he passed away before I got the yep. opportunity to do that. And so I said, well, you know, at this point, I said, well, Ray's not getting any younger. So I've got to I've got to make my opportunity. And I couldn't find anywhere close that I could go ride with him. And Mm -hmm. so I reached out and said, hey, can can I coordinate a clinic for you? And it took uh, a little bit of time before maybe a couple of years before there was an opening in his clinic schedule. Now I understand more about how that works. Right. Uh, Exactly. Persistence um, does pay off. (laughs) That's it. Exactly. Uh, So I got that clinic coordinated and it wasn't very long after that, that I got an invitation from his daughter that they were going to be doing like an apprenticeship idea. And I thought, well, man, he must've figured I needed a whole lot of help if that's that's being offered. Um, But, uh, but I was super grateful. And there was, I think it was five of us that got invited and we went and lived with him for a couple months. Uh, and that really kind of started, I think, uh, taking me down a whole nother route, you know, of really digging deeper and understanding. Tell me, tell me more about that because it's like all the Tom Dorn's books and Ray Hunt, like I, of course, am in the dressage world, of course, and only a tiny bit dabble in natural horsemanship, which of course, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, you know, we've talked about this before too. Like even that term is like, can't it just be called like classical horsemanship? Cause it's actually right. way more related to each other than Absolutely. like that there's natural horsemanship and then dressage. Like I always right. feel like that, you know, like real beautiful classical dressage is exactly what Tom and Ray spoke about in that listening to the horse and and all of exactly. that. So if you could tell me a little bit more about your time with Ray and like, did you, did he have horses there that you worked with or did you have to bring your own or? Uh, yeah. So like, he had horses there that we worked with. Um, and basically it was, it was like a cult starting camp, you know? Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of joked that we played bumper cults, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he would have several people, you know, several ranches send in these groups of young horses for us to start. And, uh, to start with, I think the first day we started three or four young horses under saddle. Um, and each day, and then it was each week, we got new yeah. ones in to start. And so we were bringing these young ones along and starting fresh ones all at the same time. And wow. super fascinating. Ray used to have this saying, he would say, day one, they cost you money. Day two, they hold their own. And by day three, they're on the payroll. And that sounds great, right? I mean, that and that almost <laughs> sounds, if if we're really thinking about it, that sounds like you're pushing them really hard too, doesn't it? Right, you know? right. Yeah, um, I mean, you think about like, oh, he's got 30 days under saddle and you're like, okay, day three. <laughs> yep. You know, like, yep. what does that look like? <laughs> well, how, let me tell you. How, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, so, so Ray had this amazing way of helping you connect to what the horse was able to accept. Hmm. And 
And sometimes you'd find the stop sign in that information superhighway, and sometimes you'd blow right through it and wish you hadn't, and that sort of thing. And, you know, through the learning process. Right. Right. The experience gaining. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But, you know, it's it's so interesting. If if I were to go back to those days, you know, it's like we think about, you see a lot of uh, cult starting, young horse starting under saddle. Um, in a round corral, right? And they might be in a round yes. corral for a week or however right. long they are, right? Yeah. Well, when we were with Ray, we had this massive covered arena. <laughs> and there was, I'll never forget that day one, there was a round corral set up in the corner and it was for catching. <laughs> the horses came in, they got filtered into the arena and basically, you know, quietly we could say chased into the round corral we weren't chasing but you know we got them kind of yeah. meandered and got them put into the corral and we'd get the halter on them. these things aren't halter broke, right oh so, so we get the halter on them and he says well all right that corral's just going to be in the way so you ought to take it down <laughs> oh so, my god so we're halter breaking these young horses and tearing down the round corral at the same time. You know, it says portable panels set up. Right, that right, out right. The wall. So now here we are with this big open arena. Right. And uh, so he says, well, you may as well saddle them up. And, and that was it. Like, oh hi, my. nice to meet you. Where are my hall? Yes. Here's a, okay. here's a saddle. Right. right. Yeah. And so the, the first day, you know, we would make like our tack was in the way far side of the arena. So we had to do a little groundwork on our way to get there, you know, basically right. trying to get these horses freed up and that sort of thing. And of course, we all had experience starting young horses on right. the side at this point. It wasn't like, you know, like some of these programs where you don't have any experience, you're totally green and you get thrown into the mix, you know. So yeah, Ray yeah. knew he could push us for this stuff. Right. But so we would get the horses saddled up. Um, and it always worked smooth. I swear, when Ray is hanging over the fence, everything goes smooth, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just like the magic we talk about, how the horses have these amazing, right. fantastic gates and movements when Charles is sitting there in the chair telling you exactly. what to do. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Under the eyes of the master, everything goes well, right? Uh, so we would we would get the horses saddled up and then we'd turn them loose and they'd you know move around the corral and sometimes there'd be a little bit of bucking and jumping around like normally happens when you first right. saddle young horses up but you know a, a really interesting thing is that they were in a group right so there's five of these young horses in the big open arena and they start flowing it's like a school of fish or a herd of horses right they start flowing yeah. around and so then they stop worrying so much about what's on them and they just start going and flowing and we would position ourselves in different places in the arena and we'd get the horses moving in you know circles and some figure eights just little changes of direction and that sort of stuff now mind you this is like 10 minutes right we're we're doing this all in within about 10 minutes and then ray would say well all right that looks good go ahead and climb on oh my gosh yeah so so we catch them again uh and we climb on right Ray said to do it. Ray said it would work. <laughs> and uh, so we're climbing on with just the, the halter, right? The rope halter, basically, and the lead rope there. Um, and we would climb on, and the same thing would happen. They would just flow around in a group, right? Hmm. So ride, and of course, we could help a little at the tail end of the lead rope. We could make some noise on our shafts or touch them on the hip or something like that. And we'd have them all walk, trot, canter, flowing around the arena. And we'd be tossing the lead rope around their neck to try to steer a little left yeah. and tossing over to try to steer a little right. And, and then Ray says, well, that looks pretty good. Go ahead and reach down there and take off the hall. Oh, my God. Uh, right? That's what we thought the first day. <laughs> oh, my God. We're going to die. Right? 
Well, the whole idea of them flowing in a group is that they're just comfortable moving forward, right? Wow. So they just get really comfortable carrying the rider and realizing that there's no restriction. So there's really not much they have to get bothered by. Well, and it's so much like what Charles always says is just go with. Just go with. Like yeah. th- there's no reason for them to fear you if absolutely they come up with an idea and you just sort of go with them. That's really absolutely. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And then he would usually pull this smart ass joke where he would say to the one fellow that was working for him, he'd holler at him. He'd say, hey, they're ready to go for a trail ride. Open up the gate. Oh, my God. No way. And no. He did. And no, we he went. did not. Yes, oh, he did. what? Yes. Oh, my God. Every damn time. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we all had, you know, wet stains on our saddle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Like... <laughs> but, um, and, and we'd all, you know, they'd flow out because at this point we're holding the halter and lead. Right, right. Right. And the horses have nothing on their heads and they have us on their backs. And this is the first ride. And we're maybe 30 minutes into it, right? And we're opening up into this big meadow and these other catch pens and things like that. And so we would all go out as a group. And <laughs> in the process of being out there, we would end up coming back with the halters on the horses. I'll tell you that much. We would, we would figure out from the top how to get that to happen. Uh, and, and the horses were just comfortable flowing forward. Unbelievable. And that to me was, I would say the biggest piece that I learned was just stay the heck out of the way, you know, yeah, stay out of the way, let them flow forward. Then they have nothing to resist against. You know, if you're right. not resisting, they're not going to resist back. Yeah. If there's not Charles two sides says, playing tug of war, it's just pull. one guy dragging a rope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. so this, this got to the point where it was, it's comical really looking back at it now. And I love thinking back to the times <laughs> with Ray there because we got to the point where we're like 10 minutes into these young horses, saddle them up, climb on. And we're like, Hey, Sergio, open up the gate. We're ready to go for a trail ride. What the heck? You know, <laughs> and, because it just always kind of worked. And I mean, you know, there is a leak at the top of every saddle and we all yeah. found it at one point or another you know yeah um, and that just happens you know that's that's not from being unprepared necessarily or anything like right. that and it was never right. the first ride it was you know we'd be doing other things but so that was ride number one right ride number two we may or may not start introducing a snapple bit to them but we're still riding them and they've already had us walk trot canter in the arena out of the arena around other horses there's wow. not really much else at this point that's new to them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so day two, we usually start swinging our ropes around and that sort of thing, getting them used to it. If we hadn't already done it on day one. Yeah. By day three, we're out pushing cattle through from one pasture wow. to another. We're out ponying the other young horses along. And these horses are just comfortable moving and flow. Now I don't recommend everybody just goes out and tries to do this, right? (laughs) But but it could be hazardous to your health. But within reason, all of those horses were ready to go do a it was a basic job, right? Super basic job of walking down the trail or ponying another horse along. And a lot of it when we're doing that, it's about how handy are you in organizing everything so that you can keep the horse underneath you okay and still yeah. get something else done. So there's very much an art to the multitasking in there, you know? Huh. Yeah. Um, but man, I mean, you know, at that point, and that's why I still, whenever I start young horses under saddle, if they're emotionally and physically ready, I like to go walk, truck, canter. I like to get out of the arena. I like to go see everything. Yeah. Because, you know, I think of it almost like when we talk about imprint training, 
right? When you're imprint yep. training a young foal, nothing's good or bad. It's just new information. Yeah. And that very first ride that you put on a young horse, nothing's good or bad yet. It's just new information. And yeah. so if you can have them in the state of mind where they're willing and they're receptive and you can allow that to happen, well, then day two, day three, Cantor's just a thing. He's already done it. There's no issues. And like, how do you get a horse into that state of mind? Like I know nowadays and like not in that kind of environment or situation, mm -hmm. we're most likely starting young horses alone, mm -hmm. which good or bad. That's interesting yep. that that's how you guys did it. And yep. that was clearly extremely successful. Yep. Like, how do you, how do you know? And how do you get that horse in that mindset of being like acceptable that, they, they they can hear the new information in a way that doesn't, you know, cause, you know, panic or, or fear or, or whatever, lack of confidence. And that's, even. yeah. And that's all about the preparation and the presentation. And Ray used to drill that into us all the time. It's about the preparation and the presentation. If you can do X, Y, Z, can you do it in a way that gets them thinking, that gets them wondering, mm -hmm. that gets them curious? It's very much like what we teach a human student. Right. Yeah. If you throw so much at them that you snow them under, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I hate to think of it as a win or lose, but like you and the student in that moment have already lost right. the game. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you can present it to them, and Ray was fantastic at knowing what was going to happen before it happened. You know? Yeah. And Ooh, he just was just a vast experience. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. And I mean, and he, I swear, horses. he could look at you and tell you what you've ever done on a horse and what you might have been worried about <laughs> doing and what you felt <laughs> successful doing. Like he could just, like the masters can do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, so much about the the presentation, and he would say all the time, "You're just getting them ready. You're just getting them ready. You know, you're getting them prepared for that thing. Can you get them?" ready to do it for you or to do it with you, you know, mm -hmm. and you, can you mm -hmm. present that feel to them? Uh, and he would say constantly, you're preparing their position or yours, depending on, on what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. You're preparing the position for the transition mm. and you let the transition take care of itself. Now mm. we can think about that in a million different ways, right? Exactly. We can think about exactly. that as first putting the halter on a horse. Can you get yeah. him sure about your approach with that? Are you preparing him for that transition? Right. Are you preparing for the transition from a halt to a canter, right? When you right. understand, right. like it's, it's all about that preparation in there. So you've got to be able to sense where is that horse and where, you know, can you, can you shift the balance? Can you get the body ready? Can you get the mind ready? And he would say all the time, you, sometimes you've got to move the mind to get to the feet. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to move the feet to get to the mind. It's not yeah. just a one-way track. And we see a lot of trainers, a lot of riders, a lot of people uh, moving the feet, moving the feet, moving the feet, moving the feet, but they never yeah. get to the mind. Right. right. And so then there's always a drag. There's always a resistance, you know? Yeah. No, I love uh, that when you were down and we were working together with the horses that you said that because again, mm -hmm. it's like, and, and it's interesting to think about like, I feel like you're very open-minded and I feel like I'm very open-minded and we're really inquisitive about, mm -hmm. well, how is that and why does that work? But that's also a little bit what Ray was like too, in that mm -hmm. way that there's so many trainers that get set in the way of like, this is always the answer. Yeah. You know, I always have to move his feet because he's not respecting me. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the go-to. And I mm -hmm. love that when you said that, even when we were working together of like, 
sometimes the mind controls the feet and sometimes you got to move the feet to get to the mind and like being a horse person to understand that. Um, like, how do you know the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I, I smiled. I smiled nicely after I asked. Yeah. Question. Yeah. This has like, been a great okay, chat, JJ. Right. We'll have to do so this again. Throw sometime. that down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man how do you know the difference well you know a lot of trial and error really yeah a lot of trial yeah. and error um and so much of it is just the again it comes down to the getting them ready if you're if you're trying to influence the feet and the mind doesn't become receptive maybe you got to think about something with the mind mm -hmm. to get it more receptive before the feet are able to come through mm -hmm. you know um and, and that's i I think that might be just the best answer that I can give yeah, is, is for you, sure. you've got to feel, you've got to fix it up. And that's something Ray used to say all the time as well, is you fix it up and wait, you know, hmm. you fix it up and wait. And he was every, every time I ride and every instructor I get with, I hear myself when I'm teaching, always saying, do less, do less, do less, do less. Yeah. And then every yeah. lesson I have, I hear myself being told, <laughs> do less, do less, do less, do less. So <laughs> I think there's something to the doing less part, right? <laughs> right. But but Ray used to tell us all the time, you know, you could have done less sooner instead of yeah. more later. You know, yep. you could have been yep. there just before that moment happened. You could have got them a little bit more ready. And he used to tell us it's all about getting to the feet. And, mm -hmm. and he, was, he was absolutely right about that. It's about getting to the feet. But it's in how do you get to the feet? Do you yeah. get to the feet because you're running them around in circles? Or do you right. get to the feet because you've got the mind motivated to do it? And I feel like as we go, I feel like there's a much stronger link if we think through the mind first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know there's there's kind of the idea, and I've heard it lots of times, the exercise teaches the horse, the pattern teaches the horse. And I think that's very true. But I think that we can also dig in there a little deeper to begin with. Mm -hmm. Can we get them inquisitive? Can we get them hunting? You know, and that was something that uh, I've heard <clears throat> some some lots of great horsemen talk about getting a horse into uh, what I think I've heard Bill Dorrance refer to as the hunting spot. Interesting. Where you get one looking for the answer, right? Mm -hmm. And every answer they give is right, but there's only one right answer for that question in the moment. Right? right. And so it's about helping them to hunt for that answer, right? Uh, and, and Ray, again, would always say, just fix it up and wait. Let them search. Maybe it's going to be the wrong answer, but you don't shut them down for it. You don't tell them he's right. dumb for trying. You wait right. until that answer can start to come through. And then you can filter that down to the feet. And something that Ray was always really, really big on, uh, and I learned to be extremely particular about it, thanks to him, is timing up with the feet. And we hear uh, we hear uh, Charles talk about it all the time. The horse can only understand the aids when they're given in the rhythm of the foot. Yes. Do you want to learn how to communicate in a way that your horse can better understand? Check out Team Tate Academy, JJ's online classical dressage academy. Open for enrollment multiple times per year. As a member, you'll gain clarity through the USDF accredited lesson library, monthly Zoom meetings, and twice monthly live study groups called the Taproom Chats. Join the community and benefit from connecting with a fun, passionate, and like-minded group of dressage lovers just like you. Be supported and empowered to make the progress you and your horse deserve, regardless of age, level, or background. Be inspired by JJ's commitment to your success as it shines through in every lesson and lecture. Let JJ's belief in you and your horse transfer over to every one of your rides. Visit teamtateacademy.com slash podcast today to join the waitlist for the next enrollment period. 
right? Yeah. And Ray used to talk about that so specifically. He would have these young horses, any of the horses that he rode, and when mm -hmm. he was coaching you and directing you, you could pick up and set down any foot in any place yeah. at damn near any moment. Right? Well, and that like that is dressage. That you know, is dressage, you, exactly. You know, and that's what's so fascinating about you know thinking that this is not completely related to each other you know and like the more right. you know and talking with you and like reading those books it's like this is what we love about dressage is that mm -hmm. it's on that level of control without being controlling you know and yes. not like shutting that horse down to like control every step although right. you are able to control every step mm -hmm. because the horse willingly is engaged in the process you know Absolutely. and i i just find that just fascinating and i keep um feeling like there needs to continue this conversation of bridging those ideas mm -hmm. together absolutely absolutely yeah 100 percent. and that was you know ray would talk about his his book that he wrote you know true unity willing yeah. communication between horse and rider you know, yep. And that is so much what it was all about. And he would talk about bringing the energy up in the body and, he, yep. you know, which was one of his ways of talking about riding, influencing through the seat, right, as yes. the primary aid. And <clears throat> it was it always came down to can you operate the feet and can you keep the mind as quiet as possible while yep. you're operating? Yeah. The body, you know, yeah. And, and again, you know, by by ride three. We're ponying other horses around and we're pushing cattle through the field and we're roping sometimes these cattle and doing, you know, doctoring and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and of course it gets better and they get more useful, right, uh, right? they get more handy, they get better educated, however I want to say that so that it doesn't come yeah. across sounding harsh. Um, as, but as they're useful go. on day three. Yeah, but they're pretty useful on day three. You could go out and get a day's work done on, on day three. You That's know, amazing. And for the most part, you could put a lot of different people up on them by day three, too. Wow. Within reason, obviously. Right. And so how has that experienced, like, change or influence how you would start Young Horses now? I mean, so many times it's like, it's, it's I don't know, just looked upon weird to be like, oh, my God, you're on them already on day one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you think about how successful that program was and how less stressful and not a big deal and it just the horse was workable for a job on day three mm -hmm. on a ranch. And mm -hmm. so how do you help translate that for like the sport horse world where we need to lunge it for two weeks and then mm -hmm. we need to slowly lean over it? And, it, you know, and it's like it just seems like so much of a bigger deal. And yes. yet we seem to then have a lot more problems. <laughs> I mean, yes. is that the different types of horses or we're, we're making it more difficult than it needs to be? Tell me about that. I would say some of it is there is a different type of horse, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about when I was on the ranch with Ray, we're talking about quarter horses that yeah. are bred to, to work cattle and stuff like that. So we're working kind of with, I may have it wrong, but I'll say we're working with the fast twitch muscles. Right. Yes. Versus yes. slow twitch muscles where, you know, our warm bloods, you, you try to do too much too soon and they're going to tie their legs in a knot and just fall down and look at you <laughs> helplessly. <laughs> um, so it, it's interesting because when I start the warm bloods, sometimes it's a slower process. Yeah. Of course, 
when I work the quarter horses, when I start the Arabs, when we start the thoroughbreds. Sometimes it's a slower process because you're right. only ever moving at the speed that they're receptive of. You know? Right, right, right. I don't, I don't want to yeah. ever make it sound like, and I don't think we are here, but I, I feel like it, it needs to be said that I don't want to ever make it sound like we're just rushing them through the program. Right, right, right. The horse has right. always got their own calendar. The horse always sure. has their calendar, yeah. you know, and as my friend Wendy Murdoch likes to say, you know, the horse always gets the final vote. Yeah, and I, I think like that's that. a great, great way of putting it. The horse always gets the final vote. If they're not ready, they're not ready. And that was something that I never felt when I was working with Ray that he was ever pushing the horses beyond their, right. that what they were receptive of or what they mm -hmm. were ready for. Mm -hmm. Now, were they tired at the end of a ride? Yeah, darn right they were. You know, we were yeah. all tired at the end of a ride because that was a <laughs> lot of thinking going on. You know. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, as I've learned more. I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with doing it that way, but as I've learned more, I've learned maybe I wouldn't work that horse as much or ride as mm -hmm. far or do whatever, because now we've learned more about the physiology and about developing right. the muscles and that sort of thing. And so there might be times when I just get one close to ready and then I say, yeah, okay, that's good enough today, you know, yeah. and we're working with different, uh, you know, mental capacities and physical capacities, depending yeah. on the, the horse that we're working with. So we always keep them in mind, but the majority of the time, I would say it kind of still follows that program, you know, mm -hmm. uh, do the young horses, do they need to spend some time lunging? Do they need to spend some time, you know, getting used to the rider being carried, you know, leaning over their back? Yep, absolutely. And if you do that and in five minutes they're ready, why would you hold them back? Right. right. Why would you yeah. keep the young kid in kindergarten for four years when he's ready to move on to first grade? You know, yeah. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to say push them faster, or push them, you know, more. What's most important is that those horses are sure. Yeah, right? that they're and sure confident. about what they know. They're confident yeah. with what they know. And to me, the most important thing that we can always teach our horses is to be confident as learners. Are they mm -hmm. willing to try? Are they looking forward to learning? Because the moment that they stop being willing to try or they stop looking forward to learning, we've overdone it. We've overcooked them. You know, we've, we've well, done I, too much or we've done it wrong. And I think that's that same idea of like the horse needs to feel heard. Yes. You know, where it's like, and that's, I love how you're saying like he needs to be ready and, uh, you know, but it's also like that same idea of like, he feels respected and he feels heard about his concerns because either you're going to hold out where you're at back, back up one step, or mm -hmm. if he's ready and he's okay, then you just take the next step. Mm -hmm. And it's just exactly. like whatever he is ready to accept, you know? And I, yes. I love that, that it's not like, yeah, he's broke by the end of the weekend, you know? And it's right. like, and of course, like, you know, that's a little bit closed minded, you know, short-sighted thinking as well but mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about like if you were to get a young horse in your program tomorrow like do you do lunging do you do side reins do you I know because it's also fascinating the kind of in handwork and groundwork you do which I also want to get into because when we think about groundwork we think about twirling ropes and moving the feet and we, we spoke yes. about that <laughs> yeah. also you know, of like, just get the horse under control and get him moving out of your space. And that's not at all what you do. So I'd love right. you to talk not only about the amazing 
way you work with the horses and then how that relates to how you would start one as well. Oh gosh, how long do we have? <laughs> as, as long as you want. As long oh, as there you we want. Go. Cool. Uh, well, first, thank you very much for the compliments within that. Um, I, I really respect that. I respect your opinion a lot um, of you know what I was doing with the horses and that sort of thing. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I guess so. Let's say I get a young horse that comes in tomorrow and it's not had anything done. You know, I used to have, I used to be a year and two years booked ahead for young horses to start under saddle. Yeah. Uh, you know, at this point, I think I've started about 3,000 young horses under saddle. So it's, it's been a couple, you know, it's yeah. been a couple. Yeah, yeah, a few, um, you know. But I would have people call me and, you know, because I had a, quite an established uh, clientele and that sort of thing. And I would have folks call me and I was starting everything from, oh gosh, um, saddlebreds to thoroughbreds that were going to go on to be race horses, to, you know, trail horses, to quarter horses that were going to go on and be cutting horses and reining horses and that sort of thing. And, and the jumpers and the dressage horses and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but I, so a lot of them, I would have them call me and say, okay, so look, he's, he's a yearling right now. What do you want me to do with him between now and when I'm going to send him to you? And I would tell them all the same thing, scratch him on the forehead and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't leave me with anything that got, that I got to fix. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I find is that, and I think this goes a little bit into your question of, you know, what about the lunging and, and spending all this time getting one ready? I find, it, you know, it, it's, I'll go back to, again, something that Ray used to say is that, you know, a lot of people want to move on from square one into square two, so, but that's not how you do it. You carry square one with you when you mm -hmm. go to square two. You know, mm -hmm. and that I think is really important. And so I think from the very beginning of a horse's education, uh, he needs to, again, like we talked about, learn how to be a learner. And it's just like we yeah. do, right? We need to learn yeah. how we learn, you know, and, and yeah. we need to be aware of how that horse learns best. So one of the first things that I would want to do is check him out on the ground. You know, first, mm -hmm. what's the expression? If I go to catch him, whether he's in the field or in the stall, you know, is this a horse that's looking attentive to me? Is he interested in the conversation? If he's not, then we've got a whole different program mm -hmm. that we've got to follow right in that mm -hmm. moment to help him be receptive and interested in the conversation and every single day for the rest of his life that's where the question starts how do yeah. you feel today about this right yeah so if you walk into the stall and you know for the for the first six months he's meeting you at the stall door and he's excited and then you've got one day where you open up the stall door and he's turning away from you and he's back into the back corner i'm not going to just walk up to him and assume that he's going to be okay just once i get him caught i'm going to say no right. no, no we got to take a step back and we got to say hey what's going on with this conversation yeah. here yeah so so it's kind of hard to say what would i do uh, with a young horse that comes in tomorrow because it's all about where he is in that moment but then i would want to check him out and see how how able am I to maneuver his body and his mind on the end of the halter? Okay. Mm -hmm. Does this mm -hmm. mean I'm a member of the international rope wiggler society or whatever? I'll say, you know what? I've, I'm a card carrying member, you know, um, of every group of every organization of everything like that. I want to check him out and see, can I get him to move off of my suggestion? You know, mm -hmm. and as I've learned more in my quest for now dressage and more refined horsemanship, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've started to have greater expectations, even from the very beginning. 
Mm-hmm. You know, down to if I were to halter break one that's never wear a, worn a halter before, you know, a lot of times you see somebody lead them out to the side and they move a front leg and then they release. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait till the hind foot moves first and then I'm mm-hmm. going to release because we want yeah. that drive coming from behind. Right. right. So it's just kind right. of thinking a little deeper about what I want to ride in a couple of years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I want to check that horse out on, on the ground and say, am I able to first isolate? each piece of the body. Can I move mm-hmm. your shoulders here and there? Can I move your haunches here and there? Maybe can I get a little bit of axial rotation in mm-hmm. your rib cage? Mm-hmm. Can we do a little like a leg yield on the circle kind of deal? How do you yep. feel about that? Can you back off of that lead rope if I need you to? Can you step back? So talking about rain back, right? Can we go right. to the basics of rain back? Can I influence, for me now, can I influence your postural muscles? Yep. That's, that's what I felt was like the biggest difference yeah of like everything we were working on was so much based on how shape like how mm-hmm. the horse mm-hmm. is carrying himself and that's where i thought there was a way more connection between dressage and what you're doing versus just like natural horsemanship you know that it yes. was like yes. it wasn't just this move his feet and you know, whatever, like there was so much, um, based on the correct posture and shape mm-hmm. and balance. And then it was so much also about the explanation for the horse. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you really showed him how mm-hmm. to, how you wanted him to move his feet and not just mm-hmm. move your feet. And yes. that's what I thought. That's a, that's a real connecting piece for me of mm-hmm. like, what you want from the ground and then how that translates because that was always the question right like a lot of dressage people are like well how does that then relate to mm-hmm. me putting it on the bit and riding it if i'm in a halter and he's in he's reining back or going backwards mm-hmm. like that how does then how can i then change that when i get in the saddle and i feel like you are like for me the first person that's ever been able to like completely connect those dots of mm-hmm. like what you're doing on the ground completely then relates to the shape and posture you want when you're actually on it, you know, without mm-hmm. just putting it inside reins and making it, yes. you know, which, you know, there's a time and place for that too, but mm-hmm. that's also then like exercising the body to gain the mind where like yes. what you're doing is really explaining to the horse how to shape himself so that you actually explain it to him. Mm -hmm. And then you can remind them to do that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Make sure to tell your friends that they can find us wherever they get their podcasts and be sure to subscribe, like, and leave feedback to help other dressage lovers inspire their ride too. For more information and education from JJ Tate, make sure to visit teamtateacademy.com. The podcast you just listened to is produced and powered by Red Mare Enterprises, creating possibilities through branding, modern digital solutions, and project management. We know the horse industry inside and out.